Hey, beautiful people, and thank you for listening to the Bang 2-3 podcast. If you find this funny, entertaining, or insightful, feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, or if you want to make my day, go show us some love on our Instagram page, because I love each and every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Deodorant, but like the harshest. And that's because Mm -hmm. I have some freaking BO, dude. What would you recommend Uh. for me? A guy is like, I'm a sweaty beast and it doesn't smell good all the time. What what would you recommend, dude? I mean, I don't know if I'm the voice of authority on like an effective solution. <laughs> I can tell you like a healthy solution. I can tell you which deodorants probably like won't hurt you in the long run. Um, like, I, don't quote me on any of this, but I, I, somebody told no, me dude, this just bullshit. Sort of made sense to me. Um, yeah. There was a study done and people that were using sunscreen in like the 1970s um, got the same amount of cancer as people who weren't using sunscreen. And that's just because all the chemicals in the sunscreen were like equally as carcinogenic as the sun. And so it was sort of like pick your poison. I mean, nowadays we have more information and so we can make more informed decisions. And theoretically there are like governing bodies that are, um, like enforcing these like new understandings of what's healthy for us and what isn't healthy for us. But there are a lot of studies on those um, like micronized uh, uh, like aluminum particles that they put in yeah. um, deodorants to sort of clog the pores. And <laughs> it's not looking too good for uh, <laughs> micronized aluminum in, in deodorants. If you can avoid it, I mean, I- I'd love to see more solutions that um, – have a holistic view of like BO, like BO comes from bacteria from our own microbiome. So I'd love to see more solutions that involve introducing healthy bacteria into our microbiome to like really solve mm. this issue at the root rather than addressing symptoms. Uh, these, these modern, I mean, I'm no voice of authority on deodorants, but no, dude. <laughs> from my understanding, like these modern deodorants are, equivalent of a band-aid and if you if you go on to um if you go down the rabbit hole you can find some people who've tried to create um products addressing like the root of the issue which is a microbiome which is furthermore rooted in like gut health and diet and habits and um living environment and really all of these things are quite connected yeah yeah, that's a good point. And by the way, listen, the beauty of this podcast are just not this podcast. This podcast is not special. It's nothing special about it. Uh, I'm just a guy. I work a job. I but the beauty of it that is that makes is two of us. I talk to yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I talk to people, like we're like regular people. Listen, I work eight or more hours a day every single freaking day. I do not have time to look up every single thing that I spout out. So if you're listening mm-hmm. and you think I'm the root of authority, assume everything I say is wrong and prove me otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I'm okay with that. I'm completely okay. Mm-hmm. If you want to look up the study on the sunscreen and the cancer and leave us a big old comment, I would welcome that. No issues whatsoever. Um, listen, I'll say all kind of crazy shit. The world is flat. I'm actually um, an alien. Uh, the sky is falling. All of these are false, but we have fun. Fuck it. Um, but you know this is what what you said with, with the sunscreen. Okay. I, I, I can 100% believe it because you hear a lot of these things like cancer rates are going up and, and other health factors are bad too, but it's like, it just kind of coincides with the introduction of a bunch of chemicals in our house, a bunch of cleaning supplies. Oh yeah. By the way, like, um, read a study or whatever. So say each week, the average American ingests a credit card worth of plastic and all of these things are happening. And it's like, huh, you know, whenever cigarettes first came out, there were no studies saying it was bad, but it's like, you kind of got to use some power. It's like, huh, I take this Mm -hmm. thing and I inhale. And after a week or two, I can't really walk upstairs without, you know, losing my breath and I reek and I don't feel good afterwards. Huh? Shit's probably not good for me. I think I kind of take the same approach with the, with the chemicals and 
if it's not natural, if you can't go pick it out of the ground or some other way, try to avoid it. Try to avoid it if you can, but sometimes it's hard. Mm-hmm. So with, look at this, look at this, with the plastics, okay. <laughs> the plastics. Did, did you mm-hmm. see, I, for those just listening, I just took a big swig out of this huge plastic water bottle, cloop, 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 and then I want to talk <laughs> about plastics. Um, why, just in your opinion, it doesn't have to be educated, why do you think plastics have become so invasive in our world? Oh, man. I mean, uh, plastics are convenient. They're yeah. really cheap. Um, yeah. Really cheap to make them. They're uh, the equivalent of magic. Like imagine um, imagine a life without plastic. Like everything has plastic. I'm sitting in front of a computer that's like made of plastic to some degree. Yeah. Um, like it's unavoidable. And I don't mean to say that all plastic is bad. Um, I, I, I just mean to say that we should mitigate how much plastic we use. There, there are places where we can reduce the use of plastic, especially in the single use space. Um, like the plastic that's used to, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, like a single use? Plastic that's used to produce um, something that's used over and over and over again um, may have reduced the need to produce multiple versions of that product, which would wear out quicker. Um, and in that sense, it might be a net positive. There, there's no like silver bullet solution or uh, completely correct answer to this one. Yeah. Do you know why plastics are bad we everybody's talking about this now oh man got to get rid of plastic single use plastics like you said are really bad Mm. this water bottle um are super bad but i don't feel like who why is it bad what's wrong with it i love this water bottle i want it all the time what's so wrong with the plastics um what is wrong with the plastics i mean it, it's what happens to the plastics when we're done using them. Uh, mm. We create a lot of products um, without the full life cycle of that product in mind. We create products to uh, solve an issue and we rarely look beyond that. It's, it's only recently in, in recent years that we've begun looking at the life cycle of a product and creating products that are designed to, um, fulfill certain life cycle criteria to make sure that they are sustainable. Um, either creating products that are infinitely recyclable, like switching over to more aluminum water bottles rather than plastic water bottles, because aluminum is one of those magical materials that can be infinitely recycled. Um, and I can dive into that later, but um, plastics can only really be recycled um, two to two and a half times. Um, it, it's not really a, something that you can recycle without losing a lot of those important material properties that you'd need uh, mm-hmm. to create a water bottle, for example. Do you know the kind of the life cycle of recycled goods or, or plastics? Like, for example, I throw this in the trash um, and then some person wants to recycle it. How does my plastic water bottle get recycled and like, what does it turn into? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, And there's no simple answer. It's going to (laughs) depend on where you live, what country you're in, uh, what state you're in, what county you're in, all the way down to the county. Certain counties, like right now I'm in San Francisco, California. There's been a lot of investment in our recycling infrastructure and we have optical um like polymer sorting machines that shoot high pressure um air at um plastic items which come in on a conveyor belt uh with optical detection of which type of polymer each item is and these jets of air shoot them out into the right um receptacle for them to be properly dealt with now I i could be wrong 
but I, I'd be surprised if there were more than five or six places in the world that have that level of um, recycling capability. Most people, when they throw that um, water bottle into the recycling, um, for most people, it'll end up the same place where they put their trash. Uh, most yeah. counties can't viably process recycling ever since, um, I believe, 2016, China stopped accepting our recycled materials and it became unprofitable for us to uh, actually recycle these um, items placed in the recycling. Cardboard's a different story, actually. Cardboard is still financially viable to, to recycle, but plastic is a bit variable. All right, Tangent. Um, I did, you live in San Francisco. This is an amazing place. I love San Francisco. I'm a tech guy. I'm a, I'm oh, a coder. Yeah. Okay. So Sil Silicon Valley, is like my dream place. It's like, please, I want to live there so bad. It's where <laughs> my people are. And I could just go yeah. there and just like nerd out with all of these guys. And we'll talk about math and binary and everything, how to sort a string, everything. Um, so I, because San Francisco is one of those places that I feel like the media loves to pick on. They just love to. New York City is another one. Los Angeles is another one. Um, and I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions about San Francisco. So what is it like living in San Francisco as a real person living there? Good um, and bad. Okay. Um, oh, um, I, I probably have some hot takes uh, on this. No, topic. let's do it. Oh boy. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let um, them all out. Let them all out. You're not the mayor. You don't, you don't represent the whole city. It's just your experience. It's an antidote. Come on, let's do it. I won't dive too deep into it, but, um, I, I, let's get deep. for, for some time, uh, I, I lived in an apartment building near civic center, 150 Van Ness, a very nice apartment building. Um, and, there was a huge wealth disparity. Um, people living in our apartment building had incredible amenities. Uh, we had indoor basketball court, uh, wow. golf simulator, swimming pool, um, roof decks. And then you walk downstairs, you step outside, and they have to pressure clean the street in front of this apartment every morning because there's... Um, it gets it it gets covered in litter and like refuse and all sorts of things overnight um because uh, unfortunately we have a, a lot of unhoused people here in San Francisco and um it's <laughs> it's a lot of these people actually aren't from San Francisco uh, like one of the narratives that I think a lot of people hear is that rent prices went up and so people can't afford homes. And so they choose to sleep on the streets. And if you speak with any of these people or, or you watch interviews that these people are in, you notice that none of these people were displaced in that way. Uh, a lot of people, if the rent got too expensive, they moved to Fresno or some surrounding area where it's cheaper to 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 afford housing uh, the people that end up on the streets from what i saw tended to be people that came in from other places because they heard that san francisco gives them a, a few hundred dollars a week um to cover mm -hmm. living expenses they'll put them up in a hotel room and they won't they won't bother them that we have i forget what it's called but there's some some actual word for it where we, we condone the use and uh, sale of drugs, um, of yeah. Schedule 1 drugs, in certain blocks of these neighborhoods, sort of in Market Street area. And ooh, it's just made it become... Uh, I was listening to this interview with one of the people that, that sort of was able to recover from the streets of San Francisco, and he was describing it as um, that playground from the Pinocchio story where um, I, I forget exactly how it went, but it's just, it's made it very easy to get very strong drugs and um, to 
uh, I, I don't know. It's, it's uh, the, the person who was being interviewed said that it, it really made it hard for him to recover because it was hard to find motivation to um, break away from these bad habits. And, and it just sort of spiraled. And what you see on the streets there is um, it, it's, it's unethical um, that, that we're like allowing this to happen to, to people um, for, for them to be in these states. And I don't, I don't have a solution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's a problem. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. Dude, it seems, it seems like it, it actually bothers you. It, it, it seems like it legitimately <laughs> bothers you. I think like it's like a core issue for you. Is it that, not only that you have lots of people who are unhoused living on the streets um, in real bad situations, but you have this while like literally on the front steps of some of the most expensive real estate in the country. Is that what bothers you? Or is it just that the people are living on the streets like this? Um, it's a good question. I mean, I, I'm, Let's just let's say that those same people who are unhoused and who are in those dire situations, but the entire city was a ghetto. It was, and th- by the way, this exists, right? But mm-hmm. nobody gives a shit about it, and that's what pisses me off the most. Is mm-hmm. they have entire towns where everybody is like bad shit fucked. They can't do mm-hmm. nothing. There's no jobs. There's nothing. Nobody talks about this, but we like to talk about the. Um, the the unhoused, the, the the homeless, or whatever you want to call it, um, and, and I understand, you know, but so yeah, would it make a difference if these people were living and their entire community, their entire society, their city was poor as well? Do you think that would make it better for um, you? For I mean, I'm I'm more bothered that. Uh, we don't really seem to be uh, addressing the issue. It doesn't seem like a lot of resources, and I could be wrong, but it doesn't seem like a lot of resources are being poured into giving people opportunities for upward mobility. Like, again, it really feels like we're putting band-aids. We're we're trying to provide, um, like, food and shelter, but we kind of leave it there. Um, Like, it it, it bothers me that it, it doesn't seem like there's a like we're addressing some of the the core issues um it seems like we're doing some things that like make us feel good feel like we're um providing solutions but to to really like break the cycle um i imagine there'd need to be more resources put into providing opportunities for um growth and upward mobility and um like education and uh in in simple things like simple trades we we really we have a shortage of workers um in a lot of like simple industries that require some education and specific um tasks and functions but um uh, yeah, I, I guess I would just like to see more uh, opportunities for uh, like upward mobility and self development yeah. available to to the people uh, in San Francisco and in other places um, that are struggling to be like a um, active member of their community and society. Yeah, a hundred percent. And listen, you don't have to, if, if you say that, Hey, I wish they were doing something. And then by the way, you know, the mayor of San Francisco is like, Oh, I am doing something. Hey, this is just your reality. This is what you see every day, dude. So, Hey, fuck, let it, let it rip. Um, so earlier you were saying that they, they kind of, I, I guess, uh, for lack of a better word, decriminalize schedule one substances in certain areas. Oh, were you saying that that made it really hard for these people to get off of the drugs, that it hurt them instead of helped them? 
Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just going off of some anecdotes that were passed my way. Um, yeah. It, it made it very easy to, to access all of those drugs. And um, it took away a lot of the incentive to break that cycle because um, there was a reliable check coming in. Food was all, all covered mm -hmm. in uh, by like uh, soup kitchens and shelters. Um, uh, apartment spaces were being rented out um, and subsidized. And so it was, it was hard to break the cycle of um, having that weekly check go to um, drugs because they were so available. And this is, this is just yeah. what um, I've seen through listening to other podcasts and interviews with people who, who recovered from the streets, specifically the streets of San Francisco. Oh, 100%. Listen, I love drugs too much um <laughs> i um if <laughs> i should not uh, for, for example i have not i have i have not done cocaine that is a fact mm -hmm. but the reason yeah. i have not done cocaine is because i know i'm such a freaking addict <laughs> that any new substance listen i will not try vr goggles because i will get addicted 100 percent. if you told me say Hey, <laughs> this is a fact, bro. Yeah. I got problems, man. I, I've seen therapists and shit. But so if you told me, hey, Chris, listen, you're going to get a check every week. Your food's going to be taken care of at the soup kitchen. You know, maybe we'll put you in a hotel or whatever. Even if you didn't, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. So every week I'm going to get a check. You wake up every morning as an addict. You wake up every single morning. And all you want is that next, we'll call it a fix, but I, I don't like that word, but we'll call it a fix. Um, that's all you want. And you may go to bed saying, oh, tomorrow's the day. Every, you know how many mm -hmm. tomorrow's the days I've had? Oh, yeah. Tomorrow's always oh, the yeah. day. Tomorrow's always, it's like, <laughs> yeah. man, it's, you know, you're like, oh, man, this sucks so bad. It's like, fuck, man, this sucks. I feel like mm -hmm. shit. Tomorrow's the day, man. I'm, I'm going to the gym. I'm eating broccoli. But- a lot of times what does stop you from getting that next fix or whatever is the fact that, hmm, I'm broke as shit and, you know, I have morals, so I won't go steal or rob. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what that's what stops it. So I could totally see that perspective of, man, I'm getting a check for free and I'm getting some food. And why would I stop? And it's it's sad because I'm sure that the check and the food is coming from a place of love. It's coming mm -hmm. from, I don't think the people who are the mayor or whoever signed off on that is saying like, oh yeah, I know what we'll do. We'll just keep them addicts all over the street. Oh yeah, we'll give them money. No, <laughs> that's, that's no, fucked up. Uh, they're I'm, trying to help, of course. It's, it's all with good intention. Exactly. It's always good intentions. And it's like, man, these people are struggling. What do they need the most? Well, they need some money. Maybe if they had some money, they would maybe get them a car or something to get a job. It's like, well, let's give them some money. Well, it's like, man, drugs don't work like that, bro. Drugs don't work <laughs> like that. There's, there's no money that's exempt from drugs. Um, so it's, man, it's, it's disturbing. Did, how did you feel living in the nice apartment seeing that? Did you feel guilty? Um, I mean, of Just course you feel a little, uh, you feel a little guilty. I, I, I focus most of my energy on trying to, to be net positive for this world specifically focusing on like plastic pollution and, um, finding alternatives there. So that's sort of where most of my like personal energy is spent. Um, I, yeah. I, I'm aware of social issues, but I, if I, if I let those consume me, then I sort of lose uh, focus on like my mission to uh, be net positive within the environmental space. Um, of, of course I feel guilty, but it's not something that I, uh, would 
um, like ruminate on too much. Uh, that's such a good answer, Ray. Um, because I really think it's one, I think it's a really intelligent answer. And two, I think it's the truth. Um, unfortunately, as humans, I don't think we can care about everything. And fuck, man, that sucks. You know, yeah, I do. I want the starving mm-hmm. kids in Africa to starve. No, I don't. I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want the kids in the sweatshop in Malaysia to be in there? No, man, I wish I could do something. But, you know, if we consume our day with these thoughts and kind of the negativities around us, then we'll never make an impact. We'll just be in a corner crying all day because of the terrible atrocities going on in the world. Um, I'll tell you, I used to live in San Diego, which also has a lot of um, people living on the streets. And I, I also lived in a very nice apartment. And there, I'm going to just be honest. Oh, man, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't say it. I'm going to just be honest, Ray. Listen, don't judge me, Ray, please. But whenever the people, whenever the people were crazy as shit, like there would be people like they would like walk on all fours and like scream and like, ah, yeah, and they would like lash out and uh, they yeah. would just scream, shut up, stop talking to me, stuff like this. And I mean, they obviously yeah. have serious, serious issues, but I mm-hmm. would, I would not feel bad for these people in the moment, in the moment. I would not. Cause I'd be yeah. like, man, hold Like, I'm scared of you. I'm scared. Like, ah, stay away. Yeah, well, that's like um, self-preservation. I, I think that's part of human yeah. nature. You're, you're probably, you're trying to protect yourself from what, what seems like a, uh, quite a variable, um, a threat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel the same way sometimes. Like I, I'm looking out for myself. I, I just, I want to make sure that I'm safe. Um, people around me are safe. Um, uh, and in the moment, usually that, that can be the focus for me as well. Um, because you don't know what's going to happen. Like I, I, I yeah, they're, they're just, you hear some stories about, um, just, just things going South. Like San Francisco is definitely yeah. not known for, for being too safe these days. It is. Do you feel that when you walk around, though? Do you feel kind of the, all right, you know, it doesn't feel safe around here? Do you, is that what you feel? Um, I mean, it depends where you are. Um, it really varies block by block, um, especially um, with these ordinances allowing certain blocks to be drug use zones and other blocks to not be drug use zones. Um, if you turn on to a street where, uh, like schedule one drugs are allowed to be used in the open. Like that's a very different, um, energy from, from the street next to it. Um, so you, you have to be cautious of where you're walking, be aware of the different neighborhoods and, um, even be cautious of things like we have all these scooters around the city and, um, I've heard of two incidents where people have taken those scooters and they touched their hands on the scooter um, handles. And because there was fentanyl on the handles, they um, oh overdosed and died just because that can pass through your skin. Um, it's, it, you just have to be like cautious. <laughs> it's, it's different. I, I always had family in San Francisco. And so I've always been um, like in San Francisco to, to some degree. And I, I've seen it change over the years. Damn, man, that is insane. That is one of the craziest things I've ever heard with the fentanyl scooter. Um, yeah, man, this is, this is something that I would like fixed almost more than anything. And we have a lot of extremely smart people in this world. Extremely. Um, and we have a probably a large portion of them in San Francisco. Bunch of super freaking smart people there like yourself. But it's like, could we get some of these intellectuals, some of these academics types? Um, I'm just going to pick on, 
I'm going to pick on Sam Harris. I love Sam Harris. Absolutely love him. And this by no means is a slight at Sam Harris. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll listen to everything you say, Sam. But what if someone like Sam Harris, instead of thinking about, do we have free will, thought about solving the problem of what, how does a single mother with three kids and two jobs two baby daddies and a mortgage she cannot pay, how does she get out of that situation? Nobody has an answer for this. Nobody. But we want to talk about stuff that really doesn't impact society, like do we have free will? And I'm sure it does in some way. Um, But this is a very abstract uh, academic thing. Is the universe expanding? Hey, man, you know what is expanding? These people who are fucking hopeless. They have nothing. They can't do anything. They're screwed and everybody gave up on them. Nobody cares about them. Can we help them somehow, anyhow? Can some smart person help them? Or just give me give me a freaking billion dollars. I'll do it because I have ideas, but I'm nowhere near smart as Sam Harris. <laughs> nowhere near. Um, let's, let's, let's end San Francisco on best restaurant in San Francisco. This is insider information here because next time I go to San Francisco, I'm going to this place. What's your recommendation? Oh man. If I'm going to have to give you a recommendation for like the best value. Yeah. I'd say, I'd say there's this place called the bird in Hayes Valley. And I love a restaurant where they like do one thing and they do it really well. And like Mm. all you're going to get from the bird is the chicken sandwich, but they do it really well. Um, that's a spot I wouldn't miss next time you're in San Francisco. Noted. I w- I would write it down, but we're recording this, so um, so absolutely, everybody go to the bird. Um, okay, so getting back to plastics because we took a tangent here. So what what my understanding of the issue with so many plastics was that they just do not degrade. So you put them in a landfill and I think everybody's kind of familiar, like a banana peel will degrade and turn into soil in like a freaking week. Um, Whereas like a plastic water bottle is something like a hundred years. Is that still an issue or? I mean, a hundred years would be, would would be pretty generous for the water bottle. Uh, We, we still don't know how long it would take for that water bottle to degrade because plastic hasn't been around long enough to know it. Holy shit. A few hundred years, maybe a thousand. We, we, we just don't know yet. Uh, we yeah. have some estimates, but that's all we have. Um, I mean, I, I'd say that the, the main issue uh, with plastic yeah, is, is how, how we close the loop. Like where, where do these single-use plastics end up? Um, and we have, we have some solutions. We, we have some plastics which are um compostable um but a lot of those plastics labeled as compostable are sort of half solutions um most of them only compost in industrial composting facilities uh, what what does that mean was, what's the difference yeah so an industrial composting facility gets um all of this compost uh really warm they introduce the correct like uh, flora, the, like the right bacteria um, and microbes to break everything down. They turn it over, make sure it has lots of oxygen cycling through it, uh, make sure that it's hydrated. They they add water to it, um, and and that just breaks things down. So most of these plastics that you see that like claim to be compostable are made with PLA, polylactic acid, um, and in order for that to break down, it requires hydrolyzation, which occurs at like 114 degrees Fahrenheit. And it, it, your backyard or, or the beach by your house or the uh, like landfill rarely get to 114 degrees Fahrenheit, um, allowing these supposedly compostable plastics to break down. Um, and so for, for them to actually break down, they, they really need to go to an industrial composting facility. And only about, I think it's like 3.8% of Americans live in a county which has a 
um, waste disposal organization, uh, which owns an industrial composting facility. So like most Americans don't have the option of sending that compostable plastic to a composting facility. And I mean, it gets even worse if you put it in the compost. And so now we have all these like flecks of plastic, which aren't going to break down that are now in like normal compost, which gets tilled over and sent to local farmers um, or, or other people for, for their field um, as fertilizer once it's uh, been turned over in a non-industrial composing facility. So you said that the PLA is kind of the bad, the bad guy here. Why, um, why don't they just leave the PLA out of the biodegradable plastics? Yeah. So PLA, PLA is the, um, is the plastic. Um, mm. It's, it, that's, that's the entire uh, substance. Um, it, it's a, it's a modified cornstarch with uh, usually with the addition of some plasticizers and when it breaks down, it doesn't, it, it doesn't act as like food for um, microbes or anything. So it really just breaks down into smaller pieces of plastic. Um, and, and so we're really just getting like, we're, we're composting into microplastics. Like it's, it's not really a viable oh, solution, shit. but most of the like compostable um, forks or knives or cup lids that you see are made with this PLA. Um, and so P- PLA is not an ingredient. I'm sorry to cut you off. PLA is not an ingredient in the plastic. It is the plastic is what you're saying. Yes, it is. It is the plastic. Okay. Yeah. So this, I, I'm, I'm assuming is this PLA in let's just, so the PLA is advertised as a biodegradable plastic. Is that true? Mm, it's advertised as a compostable plastic. So it can't a, a be, compostable. yeah, it can't be advertised as biodegradable. Um, but it, it is advertised as compostable, as industrial compostable. But you, you can say compostable on a plastic mm. item. Um whether it's home compostable or industrial compostable. So those are two different certifications you can get. You can get a home compostable certification or an industrial compostable. PLA gets the industrial compostable certification. There are other polymers like PHA, um, polyhydroxyalkanoate, which actually gets the home compostable certification. Um, And it it will break down in your backyard. Um, It will be bio, uh, bioassimilated because it is food for microbes um, and it doesn't leave behind anything bad. So where can the average person come across some PLA plastic? So PLA? Like is this in PLA plastic? That you, yeah, is this like where? where is this being put? Is this used for straws or forks or cups or? Yeah, so right now, PLA is uh, most anything that is like a single-use plastic item. There's a PLA version of it, um, and they're all going to say industrial compostable. Right now, PHA is PHA is the more compostable plastic, and that's in a much narrower set of products that... Uh, people interact with it's just starting to enter the consumer facing market nice so just just so i understand we have plastic plastic like this water bottle which is just Mm -hmm. probably you know same plastic for the past 30 years and then this is really bad this is the worst Mm -hmm. um then we have pla which is a little bit better than this but Mm -hmm. it's still sneaky bad because it needs to be um, broken down in a special facility. Mm-hmm. And then PHA is even better than PLA because you're saying it can be composted in your backyard. Yes. And when it, the important differentiator is 
um, PHA is actually food for the microbes. So, so the way that wow. PA, so here, let me back up. When you and I eat too much food, we go to an all you can eat, I don't know, Chinese food buffet. We eat too much food. We store that extra energy as fat on our bodies. When microbes, when, when bacteria in right now, we're talking about a modified E. coli bacteria. When it eats too much food, it stores that energy in many different ways, many different compounds. Um, one of these compounds is PHA. So some people have modified these E. coli to only store extra energy as PHA, which is a naturally occurring polymer. And because all microbes are evolved to uh, consume PHA for energy, whenever a PHA product ends up in a natural environment where there are microbes, um, these bacteria and algae can latch onto that product and, and consume it as food um, mm. because that's how they've evolved to um, interact with it for millions of years. Wow. So how do I know? Because as a consumer, obviously I want to vote for the PHA with my dollars as best I can. So mm -hmm. how would I know that? We all know that we go to the coffee shop and we get kind of one of those little funky straws where like it feels like plastic, mm -hmm. but it's like, oh, something's different. Um, we all see maybe like you get the cutlery set from Chipotle or something like that. And it's, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, this is different. You know, it's kind of one of those uh, more environmentally friendly plastics. Is there mm -hmm. any way that a consumer can check that that plastic is the super awesome PHA? Yeah, so right now, most items that you, you find out and about are, are going to be PLA. It's pretty safe to assume that what you're seeing is, is PLA. Mm. Um, the only way to really know that something is PHA is if it's labeled PHA or it has a TUV home compostable certification. So TUV is one of the certifying bodies. And they will, um, one of the few polymers which has the home compostable certification is PHA. And so you can look for that TUV home compostable certification uh, to know that you, you truly do have PHA. But it, there's a whole nother conversation to be had about um, items made with PHA that also have other polymer additives. Um, oh, wow. they, they qualify as home compostable, but they don't, completely bio uh, assimilate they break down but they, they create some microplastics in that process as well um so you do still have to be cautious there's no um way to be certain you know what you're you're looking at um if if somebody wanted to to see what pha looks like what pha feels like if you've been to starbucks in the past probably two or three months Starbucks has fully switched over to PHA straws. Um, oh, wow. I think that's the only place where you can actually see PHA in action. Holy shit. I cannot wait to go to Starbucks now. <laughs> yeah. so, <laughs> like, I'm serious. I, I can't wait. I always love Starbucks, but now I love them a little bit more. So there's a lot of companies out there that are very loud with their message about being, you know, good for the earth and whatnot. Um, if that was true, then why wouldn't all of them use PHA as opposed to the alternative? Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they all switch since it's obviously better? That's a great question. <laughs> um, and of course there are a lot of, there are a lot of answers that you're going to get from these people that are decision makers, um, at those companies. Um, and they'll give you the version that that sounds good, but but the, the real version is um, that it's more expensive. It's it's not too much more expensive, but just enough so that um, companies tend to think twice about using it. Like for example, Starbucks switched over to PHA straws, but you also notice that Starbucks no longer puts their straws out 
where you can just grab a handful. You have to ask for a straw now. Um, I don't know if this is true across the board, but it's something that I've noticed soon after they switched to PHA. So um, another company, or actually, I, w- I won't get into it, but um, uh, I don't know. If I'm to. Um, no, say I, you can say it. It's it's okay. It's I, we, we won't use your I name. Can. Your name is Stephen. Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. Just say what say whatever you want. Yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll keep it at that. But um, okay. I mean, it's it's good that these companies are not only switching to a more sustainable option, but they're also making it um, harder for um, consumers to uh, like have unnecessary or, or not necessarily unnecessary, but. Um, Mm. items which aren't necessarily like required. Um, yeah. Like if we can do without using a straw, like that's the best thing we can do. Um, if we don't need a fork and a knife, if we just need a fork to eat our, I don't know, Chipotle burrito bowl, like just pick up the fork. Um, yeah. Like the best thing that companies can really do is to limit the the number of like items that we're giving out um which are going to end up in a landfill and when items are slightly more expensive there's a uh, further motivation for companies to limit how many of those items are entering the waste stream yeah i i think that is such a good point i've never heard anybody made that point and it's so true if you just think about um if you go to a restaurant or whatever even if you get especially if you get doordash uh, you'll get the cutlery pack. It always has like a fork, a knife, a spoon, a napkin, and salt and mm-hmm. pepper. I never yeah. use it all. Never use it all. Yeah. I like um, I, I like if you go to Chipotle. Now that we're talking about Chipotle, they have like the mm-hmm. forks and knives. Like you grab a single thing, um, mm-hmm. but you have to go in the restaurant for that. Um, so if if Starbucks switched to the PHA straws, which is great. I should have heard about mm-hmm. this. I should have got, this should have been blasted everywhere. Um, is, do you think there's a reason why they don't switch to maybe PHA cups and, and everything else? Yeah. So they, uh, I'm, I, I actually was um, on LinkedIn this morning and I was watching a video and it was a collaboration between Starbucks and one of the PHA um, manufacturers who, who is, who they, partnered with to develop a PHA cup where they blend in um, used coffee grounds with PHA and Mm -hmm. they've successfully created PHA cups that will, will break down and have all the um, like waterproof properties that you'd want. Um, I mean, I see there being more of an application within the lid space because you already have paper cups that compost and work well but we don't have any like home compostable lids. So I imagine Starbucks is probably working on a PHA lid. Um, Starbucks has already proven that they like are like willing to take big steps to be more environmental. And uh, I've been really impressed that they're, they're not blasting the fact that they're using PHA, like a much superior uh, polymer, like fully compostable polymer. Um, they've been relatively quiet about this. I'm not totally sure why, but, um, it seems like they're, uh, really taking calculated actions to be more environmentally friendly. Yeah, that's incredible. Um, is it a limitation of the actual material, the PHA? Does it maybe do well as a straw, but if it, if they have liquid sit in it as a cup for a long time, does it break down or do you think it's more of like a cost issue or? I think it's a cost issue. I mean, it's, it's an expensive polymer. Um, and if you can do it with paper, it's going to be cheaper than doing it with PHA. Um, it's, it's also a relatively new polymer, um, to be like available on the market. It's taken, um, some really talented engineers, like many years to develop like the correct fermentation techniques and extraction mm-hmm. techniques to 
produce PHA at an industrial scale. I mean, PHA has been in the environment for millions of years because we didn't invent it. It was invented by evolution. Uh, it was invented by microbes and algae and bacteria. Um, but we're just learning how to harness it in recent years. I don't think PHA has really been a commercially viable polymer until around like maybe 2019, 2020 is when you were first starting to see uh, PHA being produced at a commercial scale. Is PHA like the top dog? Like, is there something that is maybe more environmentally, more environmentally friendly than PHA? Or is this like the, this is the best stuff out there? I feel like whenever, whenever somebody says that they've got like the best, most compostable polymer, <laughs> like three years later, um, they're biting their tongue for saying that. So yeah. <laughs> I won't tell you that PHA is the ultimate um, solution, but it, it's the it's the best thing I've seen so far. Um, and it really has no compromise except for cost. Um, there are people out there that are actually producing PHA through a carbon capture technique where it's actually carbon negative. They're able to sell carbon credits as well as this PHA polymer. So, I mean, we've found out how to create PHA in a carbon negative way. Um, it's just more expensive. Um, and so really just bringing the price down is all we need to do in order to make it a more viable solution um, in a broader sense. Man, anything is better than those damn cardboard straws oh man listen listen i know those cart listen shoot me shoot me i know that they're the best it's literally paper it probably breaks down faster than a banana peel but the user experience was so bad i think it turns some people off people are like man if this is what it takes to save the environment then um you know i want to die in a in a bed of plastic which is is sad that we're that petty but Man, those cardboard straws are the worst. Do you agree? Oh yeah. I mean, I'm I'm never a big fan <laughs> of, of of cardboard straws. <laughs> I'm very biased. I love it when I when I see there are the rogue like restaurants which will have a PHA straw, like these nice like high end boutique restaurants that like like know know their like environmental solutions and they've done their research and like I'll occasionally see PHA straws there. Um, and it's always a pleasure. It, it, it has a really nice texture to it too. It, it doesn't feel as plasticky. It feels much more like really? natural and organic. And, um, of course it doesn't get soggy, uh, or, or like clog up like those paper straws do. Like they're narrower, they get soggy, they like get all floppy. I, 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 <laughs> yeah, I have my biases. Yeah, I am so glad you told me about the Starbucks because I'm I'm serious. I'm going tomorrow morning because I want a PHA straw. I am so pumped. I want to feel it. I'm like, listen, I will give you a quarter. Please give me an extra straw. Like I need one for my drink and then one just to kind of look at. I'm like, wow, this is what science looks like. And it mm -hmm. sucks because a lot of people look at science and it's the people in the lab coats or they may look at science and it's nerds like me typing on a computer, but this is real science that's making a huge impact. And so mm -hmm. this is incredible stuff and you don't even realize it, bro. You just sip on your little latte or whatever. What, what goes into developing a material like PHA? What does it take? Well, I mean, PHA itself was invented through evolution um nice. what it's really been what's really what's really been required in order to harness the potential of pha is developing processes to create it at scale and then once we have it created processes to uh turn it into valuable products um it, it has different material properties that normal polymers that you'd run through machines. Um, and so uh, you do need to develop new standards at, at which you run these machines by. Uh, I, I can't go into this too much, but 
um, it's PHA itself, the material, um, uh, it's been created by nature and I love it when we can find a solution, which has been designed by evolution. Those ones tend to be, uh, the best solutions. Um, and it's, it's really just been a delicate dance of us, like learning how to harness what nature has created. You're a hundred percent, right? Anytime it comes from back to what we talked about with the deodorants and stuff like that. Anytime it comes from nature, it's always, always better. A small example of this would be like artificial sweeteners, man. Like Steve, so stevia comes from a plant, which is incredible, by the way. Absolutely incredible. Sweeter than sugar, zero calories. But some of these other ones like Splenda and stuff like that, I believe are made in a lab. I'm just, ah, I listen, I have no evidence to suggest that any of this is dangerous. I Give me my stevia, man. Give me my stevia. I don't care if it tastes <laughs> a little bit worse. Um, just nature knows how to do stuff. While we're, while we're on the topic, what is your favorite thing about nature and this beautiful world we live in? Oh man, I love, I, I love the Sierra Nevada mountains. I love backpacking in the Sierra Nevada mountains. I love skiing in them. Um, I, I, I grew up doing that. Um, my mom used to lead backpacking trips while she was growing up through the Sierra club. And it's, it's been this like multi-generational thing, um, enjoying those mountains and getting lost in them for a weekend or, or more. Is there, whenever you are backpacking through the mountains or maybe you, you pull up on them for the first time, like your first time laying eyes on them in a year or so, what type of emotions do you get? Um, I think it's very easy to be in the moment there. Um, yeah. it, it's very easy to just um, slow down and be in the moment and put one foot in front of the other. That's why I love um backpacking because it can be so meditative um you can focus on just moving forward and like what's around you and um sort of slow down um all of your thoughts and i i I guess just it feels peaceful to be there yeah it does i about a month ago i went um, in the Rockies in Colorado in a small town called, called Estes ah. Park. And, <coughs> and whenever I first kind of, it, it was cool because I flew into Denver, it was nighttime and I drove up into the mountains past Boulder, past all of that stuff. It was dark. Everything was dark. And I woke up and I just opened the window and it's just goosebumps. It's a feeling of awe of this is what's possible. I didn't even know this can mm. exist. How can something be created without the intervention of man, but yet be so artistic? How can my soul feel so much peace at once? My problems didn't go away. My life didn't change. Uh, my job was just as shitty, everything. But for whatever reason, in that moment, I did not care. And it was beautiful. Uh, my my perspective, a, a lot of people, I'm, I'm currently sitting in southern Louisiana, deep southern Louisiana. I grew up about 10 miles from the Gulf of Mexico, south, the doggone south. And a lot of people in the South look at, they'll talk about, and and this is flippant talk. So I don't know if this is what they really believe, but they'll say, oh, you know, those tree huggers in California or something like that, or man, those doggone hippies in the Rocky Mountains or something like that. But my experience having been raised in Southern Louisiana, I've lived in California. I've went to the Rocky Mountains multiple times. Man, if you go see some of these places, you change. 
you change. There's a reason. Why don't you go stand on the edge of America, literally, and watch the sunset on the beach in San Diego or Los Angeles or even San Francisco? Why don't you go see the redwoods, man? Just take a moment and look up. It's like, good God, you see that? And it's like, I want to protect this. I, that's all I want to do. I'll do whatever it takes to protect this because this is the most beautiful thing I've ever laid my eyes on. Do you agree? Absolutely. I mean, there's something about being in the presence of uh, so much open space. I think that's one thing we're really blessed with here in in this part of California is we have uh, these large national parks which have protected uh, to some degree uh, these incredible pieces of land Um, and they can be such an inspiration um, and a place to to sort of reset um, and be more in tune with um, where we came from um, and just slow down for a little bit and notice the simpler things very well put. So what, what's, what's next for you um, as far as kind of your journey, your goal to create these su- sustainable materials? Is there anything that you're working on or that you know of in the pipeline, um, either that you're related to directly or something in the news that maybe we're missing? Um, I'm excited to see PHA um, become uh, <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever be a household name, but I, I hope to see it um, better understood and yeah. maybe the differentiation of uh, like different compostable certifications to be better understood. I'd like for people to realize that items which claim to be compostable um, need to be looked at with skepticism um, and that what, what we really should be looking for is something more than just a home compostable certification. We need a certification which um, certifies that an item will break down. And then also that not only will it break down, it won't break down into microplastics or um, something that's bad for the environment. Um, I'm excited to see what sort of regulation and um, policy will be put in place to allow this industry to grow um, and grow without um, creating mistrust within consumers. Because I think previous generations of uh, supposed uh, single-use plastic solutions have, have proven themselves to be sort of half solutions and consumers are aware of that. And there's just been this mistrust uh, between the sustainable solutions industry and the end consumers. And so I hope that now that we truly have a solution, um, there can be uh, many forces working in harmony to make sure that it is labeled correctly um, and uh, consumers understand what to look for. Yeah, that's a that's a great point, too, um, because I had no clue about any of this before talking to you. And I hope that more people are educated on this. And, you know, it, it would be nice if the government or somebody could step in and, and make PHA more economically viable for these companies, because we know we all know these companies are trying to make a, a, a dollar. Uh, I mean, that's the game that's played. And so if somehow PHA products were cheaper or just as expensive as this shitty plastic, <laughs> then I, I, I'm, I'm guessing companies would jump all over this. So mm-hmm. yeah, man, th- you bring up such great point. I'm so, I'm so thankful to talk to you. And, and I genuinely yeah. mean that. Um, sometimes whenever you get to talk to people and they just open your eyes to a world that I was really ignorant of, and I appreciate that you did that for me today, Ray. Um, where can people find you on in the internet or where in in the world? <laughs> um, well, 
I don't have too much of an internet presence, um, but that's fine. Uh, maybe you can find me on the sound waves here and there, um, but no, nice. no specific point of contact. And, and by the way, this gives you more credibility uh, because you're not coming here trying to promote something. You just want to talk about something that you find really cool. Um, and I appreciate that. Ray, I don't know who your parents are, but they did a damn good job, dude. <laughs> they did such a good ah, job. Thank um, you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You are a kind soul. And I ask that you please never stop talking because I love to hear what you have to say. <laughs> well, it's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime.